Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. The panel. Ollie Ritchie with us this morning, as is Graham Beasley. And uh, we've got plenty to get through, gentlemen. So uh, first of all, Ollie Ritchie, the verdict is out. Six weeks for Darcy Swain. What do you reckon? Uh, it was that had to be a, a minimum of, of six weeks, I think, for that for that sickening clean out. Um, Smithy, quite, uh, I suppose, clever if you're rugby Australia and the way they've managed to to wrangle this, put him in the Australia A squad. There's three games there uh, that he'll miss, uh, meaning he'll only miss three three Wallabies tests. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to see him out for rugby for the rest of the year. To, to be honest, um, Quintu Pai was was no threat to the ball there at all. Um, and it was just a sickening, thuggish clean-out uh, that needs to be stamped out of the game. I would have liked to have seen them come down really hard on him with a bang for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, six weeks means he'll be back around November 6th, I think, so he might get a couple of games there for the Wallabies. I'd like to have seen that um, scrapped as well. I, I think that was the absolute minimum it could have been. Um, but in the end, he's going to miss a lot of rugby, which um, I think is the right call uh, after that. I hope it's set a precedent for him. Um, he is um, a bit of a volatile character. I remember uh, the head-butting scenario he had against uh, England as well. Uh, Graham Beasley, of course, from Sports Freak. Uh, Graham, what is your take on it? Well, I think he's got some good lawyers, um, Mr. Swain, I'd imagine, because they've managed to convince people that it was not intentional. Um, now, I think to all of us it looked pretty intentional, but maybe if you've got a really smart lawyer... It's really hard to prove that um, 100%. So I think he got a good lawyer in there. Um, six weeks, to be honest, is probably likely. I think given given that they do tend to go a bit soft on things, and again, it was a mid-level um, penalty, whatever that means. Um, so so they weren't going to go hard on that. And, yeah, Australia rugby hasn't missed a trick, has it, by putting them on that um, Australia 8. So, um, no, they have not. Michael, they they pretty quickly. They, they preempted actually, didn't they? That, that was the announced beforehand. Uh, uh, Graham, uh, the netball last night, uh, they finally got on court. Um, Jamaica, of some sort of substance, uh, t- took a hammering from the Silver Ferns, which I, I guess on paper was always going to be the case. But what a bizarre set of circumstances this uh, Tiny Jamison uh, trophy has been, Graham. Yeah, and through, through no fault of uh, NCD netball, this has ended up being You've got to give credit to the Jamaican squad, though, for, for making it happen. It would have been pretty easy just to say, oh, no, you know, we just haven't got enough players. And, you know, to have Connie Francis, the coach, um, available as a sub, I mean, she, she made her international debut in 1985. 
which is the same year that um, uh, Audrey Mapram and Ken Rutherford made their um, international debut, and the year before Sean Fitzpatrick made his. So that sort of shows how long she's been around. So um, I do think good on them for giving it a go. Ollie, what do you make of it? Oh, it's classical, isn't it? And and I must point out again, much the same. It is no fault of Netball New Zealand at all. But the fact that that the Jamaicans only came out with with seven players, um, you know, was a was a sure sign that um, this series was dead in the water before it had even started. Um, and it's it's a shame because you know Jamaica at their best play really exciting netball and, and netball that really challenges the Silver Ferns. And I think it would have been a really good challenge. Uh, for the Silver Ferns, of course, heading into a World Cup year next year. So it's a shame that it's, it's come to this kind of situation where we know the Silver Ferns are going to win and, and win pretty comfortably, and it's like another training run for them. Um, so, like, I would have liked to have seen a really good uh, series, a strong series, a strong build-up to, to that World Cup next year against the team that I think can challenge the Silver Ferns in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, we're not going to get that. Um, and, you know, it's kind of not like a box ticking tonight, you know, pick the game off, but mm. we know the Ferns are going to win and win quite comfortably. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, I think it's a great shame because I was actually so looking forward to watching them play against Jamaica because Jamaica mm. were fantastic in the Commonwealth Games. I thought it would have been a hell of a matchup, but it's just, it's fizzled. I'm sorry, it's fizzled, and, and as you say, uh, no one to blame on this uh, side of the ledger, that's for sure. 10.30 here on SENC. We'll take a, a short break uh, for the news with uh, Aroha. And uh, then we'll come back. We'll look at uh, possible all-black lineup. Uh, we'll, of course, the all-whites are in action tonight. So plenty still uh, to talk about with Graham Beasley and with Ollie Ritchie. The panel. Ollie Ritchie and Graham Beasley with us this morning on the panel. And uh, Graham, uh, I, I noticed uh, a story coming through in terms of cricket. Uh, England and Australia now are to play five-day women's cricket tests, uh, and uh, that's for the Ashes next year. They haven't played since 1992 for that long. They've had four-day test matches, uh, and it begs the question. A lot of people ask me, why don't New Zealand play test cricket, women's test cricket? Graham, what, what, what do you know about that? Uh, well, hopefully that will start again at some stage. I mean, yeah, we just look at, um, uh, at this story with the Ashes, with the women's Ashes being a five-day test. We just look at that with envy, really, don't we? Um, you know, we'd, we'd probably be happy with a three-day test at the moment, but um, I'd like to think that with the um, improved player contract set-up that we've got now, um, that they might start to, to look at that. But, of course, you know, we've got to play against someone. And women's cricket, even more so than men's cricket, just seems to be Australia, England and India. Um, so it's pretty hard for us to get this going. It is actually finding a window for it, I, I would imagine, is, uh, is, is very interesting uh, indeed and getting the right kind of coverage to, to balance that as well. So uh, we'll keep, a, keep an eye on um, that one. Um, All Blacks... Uh, and, the, um, and the right kind of preparation as well. You know, we yeah, don't play through um, uh, women's first-class cricket, but uh, it, it could be a bit of a chicken-and-egg um, scenario if they do manage to, to set up a test series against something, then we can have a domestic um, four-day uh, competition to um, uh, to prepare for that. Yeah, absolutely right. I uh, hadn't thought of that, to be perfectly honest, but they do need a grounding uh, to be able to do that, uh, certainly if they've got that uh, in England. Um, not so much in Australia, but they certainly play a lot more cricket. 
uh, around Australia, uh, the women with their various competitions. Um, Ollie Ritchie, All Blacks uh, naming probably in around about an hour's time. What are you expecting this time from Ian Foster? Yeah, a few changes certainly on the way. Uh, obviously, forced with those injuries that were picked up in, in Melbourne last week. So I expect Geordie Barrett to get the nod at, at second five and, and probably Bowden to start at fullback. Um, you know, he has the option of, of starting Roger Tuivasa-Shek there, but I expect um, RTS to come off the bench in this one, which is a really interesting scenario, right? Like, you've got to think, what, what is the plan with Roger Tuivasa-Shek at the moment if he is favouring playing a fullback out of position at second five? And he has openly said, Ian Foster, that he doesn't really see Geordie Barrett as a second five, more a fullback who can cover second five if need be. So if he opts to start Geordie Barrett at second five, which I think he will, then I think that casts a massive amount of doubt over where Roger Duivasa-Shek sits uh, at the moment. If you've got two uh, second fives injured and the option is still to start someone out of position at second five rather than start Roger Duivasa-Shek at second five, uh, then I think we have uh, a massive amount of doubt over where RTS sits at the moment. Other than that, I think Sam Kane will probably be scratched. I don't think they'll risk him given uh, that HIA he went he underwent. So probably Artie Savi at a captain and probably Dalton Papali uh, to start at open side flanker as well. But certainly the big talking point will be that midfield makeup and and what happens with Geordie Barrett and RTS. Okay, so uh, Ollie, the world's clawing out for Will Jordan to start at fifteen, uh, but you see Bowden Barrett starting there. I don't think I don't think Ian Foster sees Will Jordan as an as an international fifteen. To be perfectly honest, Smithy, he's had ample chance to play him there, and he never has. He's always gone for the wing option. So I think it says to me that he doesn't see Will Jordan as a fullback option, and instead he would rather keep him on the wing and put Bowden Barrett back at fullback, go with those dual playmaker options, um, and put RTS on the bench. I, I agree. I think we have to see Will Jordan play at fullback because he's been the best fullback in Super Rugby for a couple of years now. We've seen what he's able to do, particularly in broken play. Um, he just lives off it. So I would love to see him get a chance at fullback. I just don't think Ian Foster's going to do it. Okay, interesting. Uh, Graham Beasley, what are your thoughts? I, I think they've handled um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek really badly, actually. Um, you know, paying all that money, getting him over from league. I know they had a, a, a bit of bad luck in that he, um, he, he couldn't play for Auckland in the NPC last year, so that was out of their control. But he's been in the squad now, you know, for these eight or nine or ten sessions, however many it is, and he's, he's, he's hardly been, been out there. Um, and I don't really see how that's developing his rugby union game at all. I'd love to see him start in the weekend, but I just get the feeling that he probably won't. And and, and the whole Will, Will Jordan thing is really strange as well. Um, and and if Geordie Barrett does go to 12 and Bowden Barrett goes to 15 this weekend, that, that proves that, the, that they aren't going to play him at fullback, which seems strange given, um, given that he's the best fullback in the world. It seems um, really odd. It does. Uh, it does seem odd. Uh, you're absolutely right about that, uh, Graham. Uh, the All Whites are playing Australia tonight in Brisbane. Uh, then back here at uh, Eden Park on uh, Sunday. First time in 11 years we've played them, and we haven't beaten them since 2002. What are you expecting? I'm really looking forward to tonight um, a lot, actually, and and also um, uh, Sunday, obviously. So I checked that, that 2002 game, which was played at what was called Ericsson Stadium at the time. They got 4,000 people for that. Isn't that amazing? You know, they're, they're talking about 35,000 this, 
this weekend. So I think maybe the small crowds that, that they used to get when we played them more regularly is part of this. But I don't see any reason why we can't play Australia annually, even if it's not quite the full-strength side. You know, I have people coming out from Europe, etc. for these games might be a bit tough. But even if it was sort of basically A-League and MLS-based players for both sides, I think it really should become an annual fixture, um, ideally on the same kind of day every year, maybe uh, around that Anzac Day sort of period, um, if there's a FIFA window close to that. And then, you know, it's a, it's a thing that we can really get in behind. I like it. I like it. I like playing for the Steve Sumner Memorial Trophy. Uh, I think that could be part of it as well, um, Ollie Ritchie. But certainly, ties have to be—they have to be more regular. And the tie itself uh, between Australia and New Zealand certainly has to be stronger, doesn't it? Oh, one hundred percent. And uh, I completely agree that it, it, it feels like there's an opportunity there to make it an, an annual fixture. And, and like you rightfully say, even if you're not getting the best players out of Europe, you know, make it—you know—your all stars from from the A League and the MLS. I, I agree with that concept. Um, I am struggling to get excited about this weekend, though. I won't—I won't lie to you. Um, you know, I think I'd be more excited if the All Whites had qualified for the World Cup. This feels like a little bit of a warm-up game for the for the Aussies before they go to the World Cup. Um, so, I, I do struggle to get excited about this one, but. I think there's an opportunity there to, to make it a, an annual fixture going forward. And, you know, we see that trans-Tasman rivalry is so strong across so many sports. It would be great if football um, could start doing the same. Uh, Ollie, uh, the last hit out for the Black Ferns uh, this uh, Saturday um, before the World Cup. If, if I had to ask you uh, about how far you think they've come uh, under Wayne Smith, are you confident they've closed that gap that uh, was so glaringly exposed in Europe? Um, I mean, we're not, we're not going to find out until the World Cup, really, are we? Because all we've seen the players against, um, you know, the, the Aussies and, and Canada and the US and now, now Japan this weekend. So the, the real proof will be in the pudding at the World Cup. Um, I think I, I am liking what I'm seeing from the Black Ferns under Wayne Smith. They, I feel like they're playing a lot more ambitious rugby. Um, I remember being in, in Tauranga for the, for the first test and they were with dreadful conditions and they were just prepared to throw the ball around and run it from anywhere. Now, they probably did that a bit too much and it cost them a bit, but the general game plan was there. They're playing good, ambitious rugby, so that's going to help them. But England and France are very much the teams to beat at this World Cup. They are a force in the women's game. England have a 96% win record since the 2017 World Cup final where they lost to the Blackburns. They are phenomenal. They are very much the teams to beat. Don't sleep on Canada either. I've been impressed with uh, some of the stuff I've seen from them, but certainly I think, think there's a lot of growth in that Blackburns team. A good opportunity to throw some of those sevens players back in. Sarah Hidney, who hasn't played 15s for a while, a good chance for her uh, this weekend. I think we've closed the gap, but I still think that France and England are very much the frontrunners. Ollie Ritchie and uh, Graham Beasley have been our guests uh, on the panel this morning. I thank you, gentlemen, uh, for your contribution. We shall have uh, another panel uh, tomorrow morning, of course, uh, around about the same time with a lot more issues to talk about, including um, uh, the confirmation, I guess, of the uh, all-black side. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.